Psalm 24, okay? Psalm 24. And we find a particular name or title for God in this these verses here in Psalm 24. And I want to take you tonight to, uh, and there are many stories we could go to, depending on the time, two or three Old Testament stories. And when I say stories, they're not just, we find ourselves in the times we're living, they're not just stories, they're divinely inspired, preserved historical accounts, amen. These aren't just stories, these are real historical events. And they will help drive home tonight the significance of this particular name of God, our title for God. If you've got your Bibles open to Psalm 24, let me begin reading with verse 7 toward the end of that particular psalm. Psalm 24, verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. By the way, we're waiting for that day, aren't we? <laughs> and by the way, He's coming. He's coming in the rapture and in the tribulation period. And then the King of kings and Lord of lords is coming to earth, not just in the clouds, but when He comes back as King of kings, He's coming all the way to the earth. That's when we talking about a glorious day on this planet. That'll be a glorious day. Now watch verse 8. And they ask a question. Who is this King of glory? Well, you and I would immediately answer Jesus, amen. Now, they didn't know him by that name. But they asked the question, who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? Watch verse 10. The Lord host glory. He is the King of glory. I want you to notice there in verse 10, and by the way, you have more than one name. Uh, for uh, You have Jehovah, Jehovah mighty and strong and mighty, Jehovah mighty in battle, King of glory. All those are names and titles for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Notice I call your attention to the one mentioned in verse 10. He's the Lord of hosts the Lord of hosts. Let's have prayer and hopefully we can find something in the Word of God tonight that will minister to us and help us and strengthen our faith. Amen. Father, thank You for Your Word tonight. And thank You, God, that You are the true, the only true and living God. And God, You delight in revealing Yourself. You want people like us to know You and have a relationship with You. And Lord, that begins when the lost get saved, but even we, your children, Lord, we're growing, hopefully maturing, getting to know you better. And you're a God that delights in people getting to know you. And so, God, may you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts through your word tonight. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been studying the book of Malachi in the auditorium here on Sunday mornings in Sunday school, the last book of the Old Testament, four chapters. And this morning in Sunday school, we were talking about how in those four chapters, how much emphasis God places on honoring, magnifying, glorifying, and fearing His name. And uh, there was not any one particular name at the time. He just used the phrase, my name. 
and all that God's name stands for because his name represents his person, his character, his authority. I mentioned the fact that we pray in the name of Jesus. And if we're not careful and we don't mean to, we just that becomes just a little thing at the end of our prayers. And we and sometimes it's good to stop and, and say, well, why do we pray in the name of Jesus? It's because of all that that name stands for, the person, the character, the attributes, all the authority. That, that when you're praying in the name of Jesus, I mean, he represents all authority, amen? And we go to the throne of grace in that name. So we were talking about in Malachi how that God put so much emphasis in those four chapters on fearing him, not, not profaning his name and, and, and so forth, but honoring it, magnifying it, glorifying it, and fearing his name. But we mentioned the fact in a couple of our Sunday school classes how that 24 times in the book of Malachi, only four chapters, 24 times in that book of the Bible, God refers to himself as the Lord of hosts the Lord of hosts. And uh, so what is the significance of that particular name? Well, let, let me, without getting bogged down here, uh, kind of try to define it a little bit, and then we want to go look at a couple of the stories to illustrate it, okay? First of all, when you see that name or title, the Lord of hosts, and, and, and I think we all know this tonight, anytime you see the word Lord with all capitals, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It's simply the English word or name or title for Jehovah, for Jehovah. When it's a capital L and it's small letters, Lord, it has to do with Ananiah, which means master. But when it's all capitals, it means Jehovah. Well, what's significant about... And by the way, did you know one of the ways that... And we're going to see this... One of the ways that God, that God has progressively revealed himself through the Bible is through the names and titles that he's chosen for himself, okay? And Jehovah, you go back and study Exodus and Genesis and so forth, Jehovah was a name that God chose, especially with his relationship with Israel. And it has to do, it simply, and among many things, it means, the name Jehovah means, first of all, that he's the eternal Never had a beginning, he'll never have an end. Amen? Now, my brain's smoking already. How about yours? But it impl- the emphasis is he is the self-existent one, Jehovah. Now, think about that. Did you realize God is not dependent on anything or anybody outside of himself? Now, are you dependent on anything outside of yourself? Go like this. <sighs> You're dependent on oxygen. You're dependent on water, food. And no matter how independent and self-sufficient we think we are sometimes, we're dependent on one another, aren't we? I mean, boy, when you really stop and think about it, you know, we talk about being independent and self-sufficient, you know, as people, and we understand what we mean by that. We are totally dependent on things outside of ourselves. And it's almost hard for us to believe that God is self-existent. He is totally, he's not dependent on anything outside of himself. My brain's really smoking now. Okay? He's the eternal self-existent one. But that's sort of the jaw. And the hova, the hova, Jehovah, comes from a Hebrew expression which has to do with revealing something are making something known. So when you put that together, here's the eternal 
Self-existent. By the way, if God chose every name and every title that could be come that man that we could come up with, He still it wouldn't be enough to fully explain God, would it? But Jehovah, here's the eternal, self-existent God who wants to reveal Himself, make Himself known, and 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 that's in the context of the special relationship that He had with the nation of Israel, His chosen people. He's Jehovah God. The self-existent one. Okay, so here's Jehovah, this eternal self-existent God who's not dependent on anything outside of himself, who wants to make himself known. And one of these compound names here, he, now it's Jehovah Lord or Jehovah of host. So now what does the word host mean? Well, if you look that up, and, and real, usually the first thing you'll see is it means armies. Okay. And that's true. But sometimes if we're not careful, we'll get one thought or one concept in our mind and then we limit ourselves because although that's true, he, the, the host, and by the way, if you follow that name through the Bible, it's mainly used in the books of Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, and the prophets like Malachi. And it does have to do with, with war to, warfare, an army. But not just that. Actually, the word host Y'all following all this, aren't you? It means it it means a mass of something, or something that's massive, something that's huge, large. Okay, so it's a host of something. Now it can be soldiers in time of warfare. It can be servants in time of service, and most of the time it's connected with either wartime or service. Okay. So here, this title of God, Jehovah Host, means here's an eternal self-existent God who wants to make Himself known in some massive, huge way. Are you following me? And it always has to do when His people are in a time of need. Need. And great need. Great need. Now, I won't ask you a question tonight. They tell us there are about 8 billion people on this planet. How many out of that 8 billion do you think has some kind of need tonight? All of them? All of them. That means there's not a person on this planet tonight that doesn't need God. Amen? And you know we serve a God that would like to reveal Himself to every single one of them if they would just humble their heart and come to Him. That's the God. I believe that with all my heart, don't you? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now with all that in mind, trying to keep some of that in mind, this eternal self-existent God who wants to reveal Himself, make Himself known, He's the Lord of hosts. Something massive, something huge. Go back with me to the book of Exodus. The first story I want you to go to with me tonight is Exodus chapter 12, and this is the story of the Exodus. Exodus, uh, Exodus chapter 12, and it, we find there that very familiar story, and we don't have time to get into these all these stories in detail. I'm assuming we're all familiar with them. And in Exodus chapter 12, you have that story of where God had already, God had brought the tenth plague upon Egypt, the death of the firstborn. And finally, out of desperation, Pharaoh turns the Israelites loose. They had been in 
uh, slavery for 400, 430 years. And look at Exodus chapter 12, verse 41. Now, you don't find this name or title. Matter of fact, in a minute, I'm going to take you to the passage where the very first time in the Bible you actually find that name or title, Lord of Hosts. But but, but, But it's as close as you can get. Look at Exodus chapter 12 and verse 41. Okay? And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day to the very day, it came to pass that all the host, plural, of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. All the host of the Lord. You know what? It's connected with people. All the people of the Lord, all of God's chosen people, all those Israelites, all the host of the Lord. There the emphasis is more on the host than the people, than than the Lord of the host, but it's the same concept, okay? Well, just how many people, how many people went out of Egypt? Well, look up at verse 37, verse 37, Exodus chapter 12, verse 37. Exodus 12, 37. <clears throat> and the children of Israel journeyed. Now, they've come out of Egypt. Now, I want to ask you a question. Here they are coming out of Egypt. Do they have any needs? You say, well, yeah, but these Israelites gave them gold and silver. They gave them Big Macs and coffee. They gave them everything. Man, they gave them everything they had to get them out of there. But they still had needs, didn't they? Well, how many was it? Well, it says in verse 37, And the children of Israel, <clears throat> journeying from Ramses to Succoth, <clears throat> about six, <clears throat> excuse me, 600,000 on foot that were men. So there's over a half a million men. <clears throat> if each one had a wife, one wife, there's another 600,000. So there's a million, almost a million and a quarter, one and a quarter million people. And if each couple had two children, and for a Jewish family, that was nothing. There's another million and a quarter. So, I mean, with no effort at all in that verse, you could easily come up with almost two and a half million people. Are you with me? That's why we say in other verses that there could have been somewhere between two and three million people. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good host of people, isn't it? A pretty good crowd of people, isn't it? That's a pretty good multitude of people. And notice what God calls them in Exodus 12, Exodus 12, verse 41, that all the host, all the people that God said belong to who? Me, God said. All the host of the Lord went out of the land of Egypt. So first of all, I want you to notice that this, this as you trace this title and name through the scripture, when God chose this particular name or title, it's associated with people. (laughs) He's the Jehovah, Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of people. God's concerned about 8 billion people on this planet tonight. Amen? And by the way, when God brought those Israelites out of Egypt, they're the chosen people. He said, they're the apple of my eye. That means the pupil of his eye. He, in, in a picture of, uh, of protecting that eye, that pupil of that eye. Something that's sensitive, something that's important to us. Amen? 
And he, he compared, he said, hey, they're the apple of my eye. They're the chosen people. And by the way, they are still God's chosen people tonight in 2018. Amen? And the same thing's true of the church. How many passages could we turn to tonight? And God reminds us, I was reading in where Paul wrote to Corinthians, where God said, come out from among this world and be you separate. I'll be a father to you and you'll be my sons and daughters and we'll have a family together. It's like a father-child relationship. And I'll tell you what, I'm glad God's faithful to the chosen people of Israel and God's also faithful to his church tonight, his bride, amen. He's calling out a people. He promised to build the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I suspect if we could go back over the last 2,000 years and even see all that's going on in the world tonight, I know it's in the minority because the way is narrow and few there go in, but I'm going to tell you there's a host and a multitude of people who trusted God and trusted Jesus Christ and are going to be in heaven one day. Amen? So first of all, this story reminds us, the story of the Exodus, that the Lord of hosts, here's God revealing that He loves people. And, and he's even willing to claim people like you and me, hell-deserving sinners, as his people. You're my people. Now, I want you to go to another story which kind of fits along with this one. And this is the first time in the Bible that you'll find that name, Lord of Hosts. And it's in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And it's interesting, you can go... Now, you find a lot of mentions of hosts in Genesis, in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. But you don't find God revealing himself by that particular name, Lord of hosts. You go through Judge, Joshua, Judges. But then you get into 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and on through their history and through the prophets. And you find it time and time again, like I mentioned, 24 times in the book of Malachi because, boy, they needed help. They needed those... Two or three million Israelites coming out of Egypt needed help. And, and later God revealed himself to Moses as the great I am. God, if I go down there and tell them that you're going to, who, who can I tell them you are? He said, tell them I am. I'm anything, I'm all, I'm your, I'm your all sufficiency. I'm everything you need. Just fill in the blank. Boy, what a God. What a Jehovah God who wants to reveal himself. And you're my people. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, you find a fellow by the name of Elkanah. He's mentioned in verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. And verse 3 says that he every year he goes to Shiloh to worship and to sacrifice unto who? The Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. Now, I believe that's the first time in the Scripture that we, and, I, and I've mentioned to you before, I'm, I'm always interested in the first time a particular subject is mentioned in the Bible. So here they're going to worship Jehovah, the Lord of hosts. Now you're familiar with this story here in 1 Samuel chapter 1, aren't you? We find a wife by the name of Hannah, a Jewish wife, and she wants a child. What does she do? She prays. Who does she pray to? You say, well, she prays to God. This is the first person, as far as the Bible goes, that actually prayed to God by this name, Lord of hosts. Look at it in verse, starting with verse 10. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10. 
And she, that's Hannah, was in bitterness of soul. And she prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. So she prayed, it's all capital. She prayed to Jehovah, right? In verse 10. Are you with me? 1 Samuel 1, verse 10. She prayed to Jehovah. Now watch verse 11. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of what? Host. If thou will indeed look on my affliction. Did she have a need? Was it a great need? Oh my, it was a great need to her, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And we know the other wife and poor Elkanah. You know, boy, God's merciful, God's gracious, God's long-suffering. And he had two wives and, and boy, the problems and heartaches and in and, 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 and the Jewish culture of that day. Uh, boy, we would say Hannah had a great need, didn't she? And who does she call on? <laughs> a God who's interested in people. Multitudes of people. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. But God's able to see 8 billion people tonight and have total focus on you as an individual. And I can't do that, but God can. Amen. We serve a great God, don't we? And she prayed and cried out to the Lord of hosts. Now, it's interesting. I'm not, we won't take time to go back to it. But in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Well, let's go back and read it, okay? Go back and read it. We're not in that big a hurry, are we? Y'all not doing anything. Is the World Series on tonight? It doesn't matter. Y'all don't need to Don't take the World Series. Amen. Go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. She prayed unto the Lord of hosts. Now, I don't know. I'm, I may be speculating a little bit, but I don't know what what did she what did she have in mind? First person we have recorded in the Bible that cried out to God with that title and that name. O Lord of hosts, in my affliction and bitterness, and I cry out to you, O God, because you're a Jehovah God who delights in revealing yourself and making yourself known to people. And I'm one among this great mass of people and multitudes. And O Lord of hosts. Genesis 2, 1 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the what? Host of them. Wow. <laughs> now is that talking about planets and stars and animals and people? Talking about everything. Talking about all of them. So could Hannah have been thinking along these lines? I don't know. Oh, Jehovah God, oh Lord, you're the creator. You're the one that created the heaven and the earth. And all the host of them. And God, if you wanted to, you'd have no problem creating a child in my womb. Amen. Boy, she knew who to cry out to, didn't she? She knew who to, and she realized that she wasn't lost as an individual in all that host and multitude of people. God was concerned about her, even in her trials and her bitterness and her afflictions. And she cried out to God. So first of all, I believe that title, the Lord of Hosts, has to do with people. People. God's concerned about people. And it has to do with provision. God's provision. and God's power. Now I want you to go to another story with me. I want you to go with me if you would. She, I believe she realized that God was the creator. And watch this. He was the giver of life. He's the source of life. 
She wanted a child. And she cried out to Jehovah, Lord of hosts, not only a God who was loved people and concerned about people because he was the creator of mankind. And the Bible says as far as creation's concerned, he's the father of everyone, amen, by right of creation. And he's the giver of life. And for God, for God, it's no effort. For to us, what a miracle, the birth of a child. And, every, and we were talking about this. You can see a million, trillion newborn babies, but every time you see one, you never get over the, the, the mystery and the, and the miracle of just how can, how can that form in a womb like that? It's the creative act of God, amen? The giver of life, and God breathed in the man, and he became a living son. And so Hannah knew who to call out to, call on the Lord of hosts. Let me take you to another story. Are you still in? Go back to 1 Samuel with me and go to chapter 17. And we find the story, a very familiar story. We started out with the story of the Exodus in Exodus chapter 12 when God brought His people, the host of the Lord, His people, his chosen people out of Egypt. And he's the host of the Lord. And then we went to the story of Hannah. The first time this title, this name of God's mentioned in the Bible where they're going to worship the Lord of hosts. And here you find Hannah in her time of need crying out to God, crying out to the Lord of hosts to meet her need. Now you come to the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, a very familiar story. David and Goliath. We're all familiar with this story, aren't we? And uh, let me just uh, look at verse 20. You're familiar with the story. We don't have time to read it all. But in 1 Samuel chapter 17, look at verse 20. And David rose up early in the morning. And remember his dad had told him to take some supplies over to his older brothers who were in the army. And, and the Israelites are in war against the Philistines. Okay? And verse 20 of 1 Samuel 17 says, And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse his father had commanded him. And by the way, that's a good thing for any child to do, isn't it? Obey your parents. <clears throat> and he came to the trench. Now watch this. As the host are the soldiers, the host, the, the massive military. The Israelites were going forth to fight. And David, at the end of verse 20, shouted for the battle. Go get them, boys! <laughs> Man, he was a go-getter, wasn't he? Well, drop down to verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, that's, well, look at verse 23. And as he talked with them, <clears throat> as David talked with the soldiers, verse 23, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard him. And if we had time to read all these verses, here's a guy who's almost 10 feet tall. You've, we're familiar with this story. And, and when he came out again, verse 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, Goliath, they fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up surely to defy Israel as he come up? And this is what's going to happen to the man that killeth him. The king shall give him all these riches and so forth. 
Look at the latter part of verse 26. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, David says, verse 20, the latter part of verse 26. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And then his brothers got a little angry at him. I like this part. Look down in verse 28. Verse 28, and his, el- his old eldest brother heard him speak to the men, and his anger was kindled against David. And he said, uh, Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I think he got his pride hurt, don't you? You'll do, do, do good just to go back home and take care of those few little sheep. We'll take care of this situation out here. And look what he said. He said, uh, I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest what? See the battle. I heard someone say one time, David, it's not recorded here, but David could have said, what battle? See the battle? What battle, man? That's what I came to see. Go get them, boys. And now Bedwood Goliath came out. Y'all stuck your tail between your legs and ran. Come to see what battle? What battle? Now, you know the story. Look down at verse 37. David said to King Saul in verse 37, Moreover, the Lord, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Now, he called on the Lord, all capitals. That's Jehovah, right? So David goes out. Now, stay with me. And... uh, Look at verse 43, 1 Samuel 17, 43. And the Philistine, Goliath, said unto David, My dog, (laughs) that thou comest to me with stave. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Now, folks, here's the real issue in this story. It's not David. It's not the sling. It's not the stone. It's not the Israelis. It's the battle of the gods, isn't it? That's the issue tonight, isn't it? And he cursed David, verse 43, in the name of the Philistine gods. Verse 44, And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and the beast of the field. Then said David, verse 45, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of what? Host. <laughs> the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defiled. The Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. Let me ask you a question. Was David in a time of need? I'd say so, wasn't he? I'd say so. Who did he depend on? And what a lesson God was trying to teach the armies of Israel. That God, and not just the Lord of hosts of human armies, but the host of the armies of heaven. By the way, there's another story. We won't go to it. In 2 Kings chapter 6. Remember in 2 Kings chapter 6 that uh, uh, the Syrian armies uh, under Ben-Hadad was coming in the days of Elisha. Not Elijah now, but Elisha. And uh, 
And, and every time the, the Ben-Hadad and the Syrian armies would make plans to go against the Israelites, God would reveal it to Elisha, and Elisha would go to send word to the Israeli armies. And one day, Ben-Hadad, with the, the enemies of Israel, the, the, the Syrian armies, and you can read it in 2 Kings chapter 6, he got some of his men together and he said, which one of you is a spy? He said, somebody here is telling the Israelites every, every time we make plans. And, and one of his men looked at him and said, uh, well, they've got this prophet named Elisha, and everything you say in your bedroom, your secret, this, their God, Jehovah, is revealing it to this prophet Elisha, and he's telling them. And uh, so, boy, Ben-Hadad gets all the armies of the Syrians to come down. And, and it's almost humorous. You, you, down, and in verse 16, verse 14, 15, 16, Elisha's servant looks out and he sees all these uh, uh, Syrian armies gathered around him. And he looks at Elisha and he asks a question. He says, what shall we do? That's a pretty good question to ask, isn't it? Let me ask you a question. Was that a pretty great need? Sure was. And Elisha said, oh, we got more than them. We do? I mean, even with all the Israeli armies out there. Elisha, maybe you need to take a nap. <laughs> we got more than they've got? And, and Elisha prayed and said, God, open his eyes to see. And boy, God opened that servant's eyes, and he saw the host of the Lord, didn't he? He saw the angelic armies of God. Listen, oh, listen! If I'm, 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 I'm glad God doesn't do it. God knows more than I know. But if God would open our eyes and we could see all that's taking place in this universe, it ought to thrill our hearts. It might scare us to death. Amen. And it, there, there, now here, David talking about the physical armies of God. And in that story in 2 Kings chapter 6, it was the angelic host of heaven. And Elisha said, uh, said God opened my servant's eyes that he may see. When God gave him a peek. And he said, hey, there's more. when you're on God's side, you, you're on the majority, amen? You're on the winning team. Now that's why if you follow this title, this Lord of hosts, usually it was associated with the host of armies, whether it's angels or whether it's Israeli armies, or a host of servants serving God, the Lord of hosts, he, uh, his servants and his army. And that's why sometimes when you say, well, what does that title, Lord of hosts, mean? It's associated with armies because God's armies that come for protection. God loves people and God's provision and God's protection and so forth. And I'm going to tell you what, I thank God. The ministering angels, guardian angels. I mean, I, I just suspect one of these days we're going to get to heaven. And, and if we talk about how good God's been to us and all that God's done for us, I don't think we've even begun to scratch the surface, have we? We see the tip of the iceberg, as we say. I just believe one day we're going to... We talk about God's love to us, God's provision, God's protection and all this. I believe one day we're going to get to heaven and we're going to be so totally amazed what God has done in His mercy and grace. that We don't know the half of it. We don't know the half of it. Well, <clears throat> Hebrew, Jehovah, an eternal, self-existent God, who doesn't really need me tonight, but I sure need Him, amen? Self-existent, but loves to make Himself known. Let me ask you a question. 
Has God been making himself known to you down through the weeks, months, days, and years? Do you know him any better tonight than you knew him when you first started out as a born-again Christian? And, and remember now, it's, it's God with people and provision and protection. And usually it's always at a time of great need, whether it's the Israelites coming out of Egypt, whether it's an individual like Hannah crying out to God in her affliction and bitterness, whether it's David facing Goliath, the armies of Israel. He's Jehovah of hosts, that which is massive, large, huge. We serve a great God who created the heavens and the earth and all the host of them. That's the God we serve tonight. And Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says that through the Lord Jesus Christ we can come boldly, confidently to the throne of God, the throne of grace, to receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. We all have needs, don't we? Some needs may seem greater than other needs. And then there's tragedies and Sometimes it seems like the whole world's falling apart. And I'm going to tell you what, we serve a God tonight who's concerned, I believe, for every human being on this planet. You know why? Because He created them. And He's the giver of life, isn't He? He's the giver of life. And yet, with 8 billion people, God knows you as if you were the only person on this planet. We serve a great God, don't we? And we can go to the front. We can go to him and pray, cry out to him, just like Hannah did, just like David did. In the, in the name of the Lord of hosts, I come before you. And God's grace is sufficient. And God's mercy is sufficient. And you know what God delights in? Now, there are so many Christian responsibilities, so many privileges and responsibilities. You know what the bottom line of it all is? God really, truly just wants us to get to know Him better and better, doesn't it? And be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Our relationship with God Almighty tonight is the most important thing in this life, isn't it? And one day we're going to be in His presence. Can you imagine that? And we'll live for eternity in the presence of God Almighty. I cannot begin to imagine what it's going to be like. But it's going to be reality one day. Let's pray together. Father, I hope tonight that somehow, if nothing else, we've just kind of reminded ourselves that, God, you're not some force or power way off out there somewhere. But you're, and God, you're talking about mercy and grace, that you would condescend to love us and be a God that wants to reveal yourself to us and make yourself known to us and and, and daily as we pray and depend upon you and walk with you and fellowship with you, God, as you, as you meet our needs, as you minister to our hearts, that, that God, we, our relationship with you grows and deepens and strengthens. What a God that would, it's like God, that when Adam and Eve sinned, you went and you took the initiative, you went into the garden to seek after them out of love and mercy. And here you are, Lord, and we serve the same God tonight. And we can come boldly to the throne of grace <clears throat> to receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. Just like the Israelites, just like Hannah, just like David, just like Elisha. Whether it's a national need, a family need, a church need, or an individual need, we can come to the Lord of hosts who's mighty 
and He can do massive things. God, strengthen our faith, challenge our hearts tonight, and we'll thank You and praise You for all that You do.